you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 8th of January. Coming to you from early morning in Miami, Florida. Jazz play a much better game, but don't get it done down the stretch. We'll digest what happened and then analyze the final two minutes before we do our NBA 5 to wrap it up. It's all coming up on a Monday edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily look at the Utah Jazz with insight, expertise behind the curtains and geeky numbers you can't get anywhere else. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate the five-star reviews on iTunes or wherever it is you grab this show. And please, if you have not already reviewed the show, uh, do. It helps. All right, I uh, lined up, I think, what we're going to do today pretty quickly and get rolling. Uh, we're in Miami still. We're actually here for another day to avoid the East Coast uh, freeze and uh, then head up to Washington, uh, D.C. Today's show is brought to you by The Advocates and what Matt's built over at The Advocates, giving you that efficient, process-oriented experience in a time of need, and Murdoch Chevy, the good friend's Tyson and the crew up in Woods Cross at MurdochChev.com. All right, uh, we always kind of, you know what, we played Friday against Denver uh, and weren't good. And uh, was, I'm not, that game just kind of reinforced, the Friday game reinforced the ongoing theme that this team has been played well for a period of game. Uh, a period of games, and then falls apart. They played very well through the first half of that game and then and had the lead, and then by the end of the third quarter, we're down 20. And, uh, it, you know, just kind of couldn't handle the adversity. The 8-0 run became 18-2 run. Uh, the numbers on that game, by the end, while the fourth quarter was mostly blowout, was actually a pretty good defense of outing, holding Denver's offense to 103.3 and a, and a really poor offensive outing at 95.0. Uh, the the offense, by the end of that night, just with only six free throw attempts, uh, with 17 turnovers, was not good enough. That that was, you know, even even with 40 points in the paint, uh, the, the six, only taking six free throws, we talk makes it a hard way to live. We we had talked about that kind of early in the year that that was something that was we had to keep an eye on. This wasn't a team that naturally went to the free throw line, and on that night it bit us. Last night, the Jazz lose one hundred three one hundred two in a, in a real heartbreaker. They uh, they played very very well. Uh, they gave a considerable forty eight minute effort. There were a lot of really really good sides. And then down the stretch, couldn't make the plays. And, and what the plays are, we'll talk about coming up. Uh, statistically, looking at this game, the Jazz offense was really good this night. 112.6. And the defense didn't follow. This was an incredibly slow-paced game. Down to 91 possessions for the game. And the Jazz defense 
did didn't get the stops. So this was a night on the on the flip side where you got in the defense you got in Denver, you win this game easily. The first quarter, Miami was averaging one point three points per possession. They scored twenty seven points in about an eighty six pace game, and uh, and from there, the Jazz you know played very very well, and then late in the game, the Jazz just didn't get stops. Miami scored 27 in the first and 29 in the fourth. Jazz went to the free throw line 20 times, which was really the difference in the offense. The shooting wasn't dramatically different. They were uh, only 10 of 32 from three. Neither team shot the three well at 31%. And yet both teams had pretty good offensive games. The Jazz turned it over just 11 times. Miami turned it over just eight. So it's interesting. We talk so much about shooting, but in this case... The difference was turnovers and free throw line trips, and that that you know that was really different. the The defense of the Jazz bench is what really really scuffled. Defense was pretty good when Tabo Cephalosha was on the floor. Otherwise, last night it was not. Uh, it was a one twenty one when AB was on the floor. It was a 119 when Rodney was on the floor. Rodney played 30 minutes, so that's a lot of bench. And, and Epe, defense was a little better with Favors and with Epe last night, looking at the ratings. The offense, when Epe was on the floor, was unbelievable. He had a, he had a very good plus-minus. The offense really struggled when Ricky was on the floor last night. Uh, Ricky ended up, is that right? I think that's right, yeah. Ricky played 30 30 minutes last night, and the offensive rating when he was on the floor was a 75.5, or maybe his personal offensive rating was. Sorry, take that back. It was not what he was when on the floor, just his personal. He went 0 for 6. Uh, so it, it's kind of the story of the season. It's probably the story of a below 500 team that you do one thing well one night, and then you don't do it well the next night. And And... And they really, for for the most part last night, played pretty darn well. Uh, quick check at the player tracking, because it's always fun to see who gets the hustle points and whether we made uncontested shots. The Jazz last night were 17 of 44 on uncontested looks. The Miami Heat were 19 of 49. So just a, a snitch better. Uh, in the hustle category, deflections. The Jazz are actually, I think, third or fourth in the league in deflections. Uh, and they had a good... They had, 12 of them last night, three from Rubio, two from Donovan, two from Epe, three from Tabo. Favors contested 13 shots last night. Rodney contested nine. Epe contested nine. Miami, by the way, Jason Richardson, five deflections and 13 contested shots. That kid was everywhere yesterday. So staying on the on the big picture of the game before we delve into... Uh, the last plays. I thought the one of the primary things that jumped out to me last night watching the Jazz it was the leadership uh, of Tabo Cephalosha last night. He played 28 minutes. I thought he brought the group together. I thought it looked to me like they communicated much more last night than they have in, in some past games. Uh... I thought they, there was a, a purpose to the way they were playing and a connectivity 
I thought they stayed engaged for the whole game, which they did not do in Denver. There, there were there were lots of things that were far better in this game than what we've seen recently on the road. That that's the the disappointing part of the loss is how much better, frankly, they were uh, all around. Joe Johnson had a had a solid game. You know his plus minus has been really tough, and his impact on the team has not been good. He had a for only the third time in 12 games so the team was positive with him on the floor and but he he came around had a nice offensive game and also added seven rebounds we had two different offensive stretches that carry the team which is kind of what you have to have out of donovan and rodney donovan went bananas in the third quarter offensively and then rodney went got hot for part of the fourth it's really what this team has to have to be able to win is and the shot selection in Denver was completely balanced which it's not not actually good you know it's got to be really clear who the shot should be that last night it was it was far better Donovan 25 shot attempts Rodney 16 Derek 10 Ingles 8 Joe Johnson 8 that that's that's clear Rubio 6 that that's that's what it should be uh, AB made two shots. He's been scuffling a little bit, so hopefully that'll get him going. One was a great drive on the baseline. He read it perfectly and dunked it and hit another three on a beautiful ball. On the play where AB hits the other three, the ball movement is just terrific. Favors hits a cutting hood who passes the corner. Joe Johnson touch passes to AB for a three. Those type of plays kind of were back in the mix. The passing has been down considerably, and those were all seem to come back. So I thought it was a, you know, yeah, the the ending we'll get to in, in a second was total bummer. And that's what you're judged on. But we've had some bad outings recently on the road. And this was, this was better. Miami's not very good. They're fifth in the East, stunningly. And they're fifth in the East because of games like last night. What the Miami Heat have done this year is they've beat sub-500 teams. They're 16-4 and four now, and they've won close games. They're one of the best close game teams in the league, and to their credit, you could see it last night. They stayed together, and then offensively, everything they did was going to the rim. Late in the game, everything they did was going to the basket, which... It's hard to do, and not many teams do do. But Richardson's curls to the basket. Linux drives to the basket. Drogic's drives to the basket. Richardson's pushes ahead in the fast break and outruns the Jazz on a key, huge play. Huge play. We'll, we'll get into this in a second. I actually think I'll probably disagree with most people on what I think the most important plays of the game were last night. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Advocates. Matt over at The Advocates has done some really, really cool stuff. So first thing funny talking to Matt is he, he kind of told me this whole story about how you know when he first started being an injury attorney, he and his wife would go to parties and, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a lawyer. What kind of law? And just kind of mumble through it. And then finally his wife was like, why are we ashamed that you're there for people? Like, why? Because there's such a stigma to what an injury attorney is. And then, Matt said, the other part we thought about is, like, we figured out how to do this better than everyone else over at the Advocates. 
So why why wouldn't we be really proud of what we've done? In 25 years, Matt's like, we get better every single year doing this. We, we have the craft figured out. And one of the things they've done is they have built a 106-step process to make sure that, one, you get good results, two, that nothing bad happens, and three, that you're treated well. Bad happens can be job-related, something like that. Results is obviously getting fa- treated fairly after an accident and then communicated with by your attorneys. When you call the advocates, an attorney will call you back almost immediately. It's really incredible, less than 60 seconds. 801-355-5550. And then they put in the process. Because accidents are different, process is the same. They have the process down to this 106-step process where they then have experts at each step along the way inside the building. So there's an expert dealing with the insurance company. There's an expert dealing with the hospitals and an expert dealing with the auto companies. And then the attorney can deal, interact with you. That efficiency, that process leads to productivity, which means better communication needs, means expedition of the end results. And you suddenly get the benefit of it. You have your attorney scheduled set with you. You go into the system, and boom, 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 boom. The expertise of the advocates takes over. 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. So let's go to the late game plays. Um, I'm going to start with the three plays that, to me, change the game, and they're different than the three plays that I think you think change the game. So to me, the three plays that change the game happen between the three-minute mark and the one-minute mark, not the ones at the end. So with 2.33 left and the Jazz up four, Miami starts to trap in the backcourt to get the ball out of Donovan's hands. Drogic hits a layup to make it a... And again, there, there's Miami going toward the basket. Here's a team who shot 43s the other night. Everything went to the basket. 2.33 left. Uh, Mitchell brings it up. They've trapped him. He's gotten out of it. And Miami is confused. Miami, who's pretty good late game, has a breakdown. And they forget to guard Joe Ingles. And Joe Ingles gets an open, left side, wide open three. I'm not going to make it 100% of the time. I'm not criticizing uh, Miss Shot. But Joe Ingles uncovered, wide open three from the left side, where so far this year he's 22 of 50 before he takes this shot. 22 of 50. Like, that's that's what Joe does. Wide open. The Joe Ingles, just to kind of make it even wilder, on wide open threes this year is 48%. Missed it. Deep in the cup, swirled out. It happens. But that play swings the game. Instead, now they actually don't go down and score, or they do on an offensive rebound. Uh, Drogic missed a layup. Olenek gets the offensive rebound. He makes one of two free throws. They make it a three-point game. It would have been seven with 247. The difference, I know this sounds weird, but the difference between five and seven 
is so huge late in games because five is up, down, back, back down. That's all it is. Boom, five's gone. Seven, down, back, down, back, down again. It's a big difference when there's limited time. Now you're just playing clock if you're Utah. Rodney hits a bucket uh, at the two-minute mark, which is his first clutch basket of the year. We've played so little clutch time. Dragic misses. We're up five with the ball. 149 left. Donovan drives, throws a pretty creative wraparound pass to Faves who bobbles. He then collects it, goes up, tough shot. Olenek really defends it well. But Derek's one of the best around-the-basket finishers in the league. And he misses. Four-foot hook shot. Not an easy shot at all. But it's Derek around the basket. He's great. He's top five in the league. And doesn't get a call. Not sure. He didn't go to the basket. He didn't earn a call. And again, that goes in. We're up seven with 126 left, and the game's over. It's over then. Seven, boom, boom, boom. It's over. Worse than that is that the rebound comes down to Johnson at 126, and Jason Richardson just outruns the Jazz down the floor for a layup. They push ahead. Favors doesn't get back all the way. Nobody finds Richardson. There's no wall defensively. And Richardson outruns the Jazz. And it's a three-point game with 123. That swing in a span of five seconds is mammoth. That's the game. Like, everyone's going to talk about the final play, and we'll do it here in a second. But that right there is the game. That was That was the problem. Now Donovan turns it over, and then Mitchell forces a turnover on him. And the next play, Dragic going to the basket makes it a one-point game. Donovan makes a brilliant drive with 47 seconds left. We're back up three. Alinek going to the basket gets fouled. Uh, as they go, he, he gets Donovan on a switch. Uh, the Jazz had a hard time. The Jazz did not defend these plays well. I'm not, I don't quite understand enough to understand what they were supposed to do or whether these guys are just so good late in games and played with such aggressiveness that there wasn't anything for Donovan to do, but he gets beat on both those last two plays uh, and ends up fouling. Rod, then then we have our first not very good play. Well, those others just don't have... The run down by Richardson's bad. Then this one was bad, too. Linux, 37 seconds left, one-point game. Miami now takes the ball out of Donovan's hands. They double-team Donovan in the backcourt. He's not going to get it. Rodney gets it. Takes the full nine seconds to get across half court. Barely gets across against Tyler Johnson. Waves off Donovan. Doesn't use the Ingles pick as well. And goes into an isolation on Tyler Johnson into a pull-up three that he says Tyler Johnson's hands were down. I'm not sure I agree with him on that. I don't know. But I don't know actually what a player's definition of hands down is. Tyler Johnson's hands were up by the time he shot. Maybe it was down when he went into the shooting motion. And Rodney, and Rodney misses the shot. Angle right, off the bounce, three, doesn't need a three. He's got a smaller, def- you know, this is where, you know, if I had my preference with Rodney at six foot eight, that materializes more quickly and he is not, and Rodney's not sitting there taking a, 
Uh, three, he's working Tyler Johnson into the lane. He's taller than him. He gets a little shot. Rodney from the r- left is far better from the r- than the right. I don't know if that matters, but that's the lowest percentage three that Rodney has at 32% on the right side. You know, I, I don't know if players are aware of that, but that that was a bad possession. Um, every every bit of that was not good. Uh, then Miami comes out of a timeout, five seconds left, seven seconds left, and the Jazz defend it badly. And the, and the Jazz then close with Donovan trying to go one-on-one out of the backcourt. The primary difference in this is the way Jason Richardson or Josh Richardson guarded it and the way Donovan guarded it. On the inbound to Donovan, Miami doesn't switch anything, and they stay attached the whole time. Like, Donovan can't get free, so that pass goes in the backcourt probably a little further than they want. Donovan guarding Richardson as he makes his first curl toward the basket hesitates for a quick second because there's some confusion of whether when Ingles guys goes by, whether they're switching or not, there just seemed to be a momentary. That moment separates Donovan from Richardson. Donovan then tries to cut the corner to make up for the lost time. Richardson flips back the other direction. Donovan's lost now. That, I think, is probably experience and time for Donovan. On the final play, Donovan does nothing that allows Derek Favors to get a pick set on Richardson. Donovan's waiting, 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 and he just goes straight. Doesn't fake going the other direction, doesn't shove off, doesn't doesn't do anything to create space separation where Favors could make a contact with Richardson to free Donovan for that inbound. Probably experience. These are little, subtle things. I'm not sure that I think Donovan really could have had time to pass back to Rodney. It's 1.7 seconds when I've watched that play in slow motion to try to make that play I think is a lot to ask out of Donovan. But... So there's an experience issue there, and then, frankly, the, the, you know, I think it's the three plays before, honestly. You know, we, we can isolate those and break down those and everything that's wrong with those, and Rodney taking a three is not good, and Donovan getting it in the backcourts. Donovan getting in the backcourt is actually fine with another second or one, two steps less into the backcourt. Coming downhill is better than being stagnant. Uh, in fact, I, throwing in the backcourt's probably a good idea. Um, if that pass in the backcourt, if Donovan was a little more free so the pass in the backcourt didn't have to go as far back, and then you have an extra second for Donovan to get across half court. Because clearly there was a time issue by the time that was done. Rodney's three. Rodney, Rodney does not have a lot of clutch experience, by the way. You know that that could be Rodney last year. What didn't close those games it was Ingles and Hayward and Hill. Rodney last year played a grand total of two minutes all year in game in the final twenty four seconds of a one possession game. Two minutes. He's 2 for 12 in his career in those circumstances. Not a lot of time. Last year in the final two minutes of a close game, Rodney played 12 minutes. 
12 minutes all of last year. So there's not a great deal of experience there with either Rodney and obviously none with Donovan, and those are your two primary guys. And I think that was evident a little bit, if that makes sense. It's a bummer. They played really, really well. They didn't execute that well, but frankly, it's the it's the plays in the prior to the final plays to me that were the difference. And the Jason Richardson leak out might have been the biggest of all. Not getting back defensively in a transition at that point just is a killer. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over in Woods Cross at Murdoch Chevrolet. Ninety plus years of the Murdoch family and Chevy in Utah. I mean, Chevy runs deep, right? That is. This is a bread-and-butter Chevy family. And Chevy's got the best line right now. They're the only truck line that has all three truck segments. Heavy-duty Silverado, light-duty half-ton truck, and mid-sized truck Colorado. I'm driving the Silverado right now. And these truck owners that, like, make you think they're, like, tough and muddy and... This is like a luxury car. It drives so smooth. You're, like, feel like you're in your living room. You got heated steering wheel. You got every single like little bell and whistle that you could have. And then you get to and you're driving a truck. It's fabulous. SUV line is the suburban, the Tahoe, the Equinox, the Traverse, and the Tracks. Chevy's got it lined up for you, and the Murdoch family gives you the no regrets experience, where they make sure that they do everything they can to control what they can to give you a fabulous experience, as they give you the Lifetime car washes, service hours open extra long in Murdoch at Chevy. They're open till 7.30 at night for you at parts and services, extending it to make it easier for you. These are the things the Murdochs do for you. And right now, partnering with Golden West Credit Union for 1.99% financing. So check it out at Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross. Murdoch Chev, say hi to Tyson for me when you stop by. Um, I think I told you the great story about Tyson and his grandmother going to the game. It was so cool watching her see Ron Boone. She couldn't, she couldn't even believe herself. All right, let's do a quick NBA five before we wrap this up. Oklahoma City lost to Phoenix at home last night. Right when you think that they're like about to run away, they do that. The Lonzo Ball story is crazy. Lavar Ball story. Let me say this: If Donovan Mitchell came out. Donovan Mitchell Jr. or Sr. came out tomorrow and said that Quinn Snyder wasn't coaching Donovan Mitchell right, it would be a story. Now, it's even more of a story that it's coming from LeVar Ball, who we knew it was going to come from during the year. So this is a legitimate story. There's nothing illegitimate about this story at all. So anyone who's trying to claim like Rick Carlisle is, I, I disagree adamantly with him on that. Because it's a story when the father of a top draft pick who's primary to a franchise criticizes the head coach. It is also a story when it's the one who we knew was going to do it, and that was the risk in drafting him. So that is a story. Uh, Houston, with their injuries, has lost 7 of 10, and Golden State has now run away to the top seed of the West, and frankly, all that drama is over. 
The only one that's getting interesting is that Minnesota is continuing to play well enough, and they have clicked in. Earlier this year, I was kind of harping on this whole thing with Minnesota. They didn't look right. They haven't figured themselves out. That is not true. They have figured themselves out. It took a while. It is Jimmy Butler's team, and they have the rightful order of the basketball universe clicked in. Denver looks so good against Eskos to lose in Sacramento. Portland has grabbed two in a row, and New Orleans can't help but just staying around 500. Blake Griffin out for the Clippers. The West playoff race may be ending here shortly. Utah's out four. Got to find a way to win some games on this, one or two games on this trip. Well, I guess one or one or two now. And then get rolling a little bit in January and start knocking on that door. But it's some, you got to get games like last night. You know, playoffs seem more and more distant, even though we knew the schedule was going to be tough. You still got to sneak you know, that New Orleans win was probably one we had to have. Last night was probably one you have to have. Charlotte's one you have to have. Can you, if you steal Washington and get Charlotte, then you're fine. Go 2-2 two two on this road trip. You're right back in it. As crazy as that is. Over in the East, Boston's won six in a row again. And now they play one game for about the next 15, 10, 15 days because they go to London. So Boston now is going to sit on the sidelines for a long time. They've played 43 games this year. Contrasted to Toronto's played 37. They get like an all-star break, a second one. I think it's good for them. Miami's won four in a row, their fifth. And that race is kind of beginning to thin out as well. The Knicks can't win on the road like the Jazz. They're 4-14. and I'm not sure they're a legitimate playoff contender, which means suddenly it's Philadelphia and Indiana battling just for one spot. The West, frankly, right now looks like there's not a playoff race. It's kind of wild. That is Locked On Jazz today, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to the advocates, as well as Murdoch Chev and SeatGeek for supporting today's show. Thank you for tuning in. And if you get a chance to give us a five-star review, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we'll be back with you tomorrow morning from Miami. Talk a little bit more about what's going on with the Jazz on our daily podcast, Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.